0: If you have your Bibles if you would take the Word of God would be pleased this morning and turn to 1st Corinthians chapter 3 1st Corinthians chapter 3 1st Corinthians chapter 3 and I want to say those of you that will be viewing by YouTube and Facebook we're so glad to have you today as well and we trust that the word preached will be a blessing to you but you must mix it with faith that that word preached might be profitable unto you at home and those of you that are here. And uh, it's what the Lord says that we should do with it. And so, um, if you'll find your place there and thank you for turning, 1 Corinthians chapter three, and uh, I wanna read a, f- a few verses, uh, In beginning in verse nine, beginning in verse nine. Paul here writing to the church of Corinth says, for we are laborers together with God Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builteth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. And I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning on take heed how you build. Take heed how you build all right let's pray one more time father i certainly do thank you lord for these that have gathered to hear your word and lord uh, i just can't do anything without you father or jesus you said that of yourself without you we can do nothing and lord i need you this morning Need the power of the holy spirit to use me god to fill me to help You to communicate your truth as only you are able to do and so lord while i'm Speaking on the outside, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will speak to them on the inside. And Lord, if there be one here today that does not know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they might call upon you. And then, Lord, I pray that others, Lord, they indeed would mix faith with what they hear. Lord, we love you this morning, and I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. You know, years ago, another preacher and I, um, we used to hang sheetrock and uh, and do some finishing on that. How many of y'all have ever hung sheetrock before? You know, if you want exercise, it'd be better to join a health club than it would be to hang sheetrock. It'll put shoulders on you for sure. And, uh, and on one occasion, uh, we were doing a church, and uh, as of that, it was a commercial building, and so there were fire codes and the like that had to be done. And so I'm standing in a stairwell, but... Uh, not like how you might think i'm actually standing on a 2x12 and this 2x12 is stretched from the landing of the top floor in that building and uh, it's jutting out across that open space suspended about 20 feet off the ground and we were using double-sided 5 8 14 foot sheetrock 14 by 4 you know and uh and so I, i've got a little place cut out where there's a fire break you know there's a two by four in between the studs like that to prevent fire from from uh, transferring or moving as best they can. Anyway, you lay one, you cut out that piece of sheetrock and you sort of fold it up out of the way and nail it up, stick that two by 12 in there, rest it on that piece of, of, uh, of two by four, then take the other end and you nail it down here on the landing, this wooden landing. And so now I'm walking out on this thing and, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of a, a big fella. All right. And, uh, uh it was a little bit like walking out on the diving board except the diving board was attached at the other end so it's sort of bouncing along and i have a screw gun in one hand and a pouch and tools and things and so i'm putting screws in this wall and uh and trying to get this done efficiently and we put you know we nailed the the perimeter and then put screws in the field well next thing you know i'm busy got the screw guns and next thing you know man i'm starting to bounce and I, I look over here to my left and here comes a man walking out on that thing and uh and he said those na those screws are too far apart i want them 12 inches apart and i looked at him and my my partner looked over there and and my partner said well who are you and he said he turned to my partner said i'm the building inspector and he looked at me and he said brother ed put them 12 inches apart (laughs) and that building inspector made it very clear as to what he was going to what he was going to expect from me and what he was going to be inspecting as he looked at that wall and looked at the rest of the work that we were doing and you know Paul is kind of like that building inspector and so you say what did you do well I stood there while he walked away thankfully and I put those screws the right distance apart just the way that he wanted and so Paul here he says he's a master builder look right there in the middle of verse 10 a wise master builder I mean he was a contractor so to speak and and so Paul here uh he, he he is likened unto that this building inspector and when he said take heed how you build thereupon but let every man take heed how you build thereupon and so i i want to give you some things this morning i think that will help you uh how how to uh how to do what god expects of us and that one day what god is going to inspect about our lives and uh, and so i want you to see look with me in verse 11 notice what it says and we'll go down through this i want you to see you got to follow the blueprint if you're going to build properly you've got to follow the blueprint and if you don't i don't know that i would want to be in your house because it may not be able to hand the wind and the, it may not be able to hand the rain or it may not be able to handle the elements that are going to come against it but if you'll follow the blueprint, you'll do all right. Notice what he said. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And, you know, every building has got to have a foundation. And this, we're a spiritual house, so to speak, here, speaking about us as individuals. And you must have the right foundation. You must build a, be, be built upon the rock and that rock is the lord jesus christ he said the he said the winds are going to try your walls the rains are going to try your roof and the floods are going to try your foundation if your house is built on anything else it said that great will be the fall thereof it's going to come down and so you know we we uh, we sing a song about sinking sand and you don't want to have your house built upon sinking sand children have a song it says the wise man built his house upon the rock and uh and they go through all those and they say the foolish man built his house upon the sand and man the fall of it was great and so forth and and so god wants us to start the right way and the right the right way to start is knowing jesus christ as your personal lord and savior that is you know even this building as nice it is it has to have a foundation otherwise it can't support the walls it can't support the trusses it can't support the metal roof And the sides and so forth and so you and I we must have that foundation in our life listen religion has never saved anyone it's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ alone Uh, men are religious by nature but that doesn't bring us in the right relationship you see religion is something that men feel like they must do in order to improve their their relationship, if you will, improve their standing with God. But beloved, there's nothing that a man can do that will take away the stain of sin. Only the blood of Christ. We sang about the, that, that this morning. Only the blood of Christ. And when God sees the blood, He will indeed pass over us, just like what was put on the on the on the doorpost and the lintel there. The Old Testament picture when the angel of death came through and saw that blood, He passed over that house. And everybody that was under the blood was safe. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, beloved, you're safe. You're safe. And, and so the Lord seals that to us. But here, you know, you've got to follow the blueprint. And so, brother, Ed, so my life after salvation, how do I build on this house? Well, again, I'm going to say you've got to follow the blueprint. And the blueprint is right here in the word of God. I mean, uh, where do you start when you're going to construct a building? Do you start on the roof? Uh, you know, do you, do you, I mean, do you, do you get everything out? You get your rafters over there, you get your trusses, and all right, bring, the, bring, bring all that sheathing up there, let's put that on, and somebody then start putting the black tar paper on top, and then get those shingles on there. The rest of us, are we going to be working over here? Good night, I don't know what you're going to use to put the roof on with like that, but that's not how it works. You don't start from the top down. You start from the bottom, and you work your way up. And so you've got to follow the blueprint and god's word is the blueprint for our lives listen don't neglect it don't neglect your bible now i know what for the most part i mean you're here in church Say, man we're here in church you're you're preaching to the choir you'd be surprised how many people don't know much about the word of god and though they may go to a religious service they may attend a service in a lot of places Beloved, we need the word of God in our lives. Jesus said, remember the devil tempted him? He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And where is that word found? It's right found right here. You and I, we must have this word in our lives and we need a daily dose of it. You know, people take vitamins. I'm telling you, you need some vitamin B. Amen. That's the Bible. That'll help you during the day. That'll help you to grow. It will strengthen you. I mean, vitamin B does some things for you. It keeps you from bruising. It improves, improves circulation. This Bible will help you from being hurt. It'll help you how to get over a hurt. It'll do a lot of things for you that that other books won't do. You know, how many of y'all remember lava soap? Some of y'all now, that's a soap we have here in, in, in the States. And uh, I was hoping I'd get to explain that this morning. And so. <laughs> So, uh, but lava soap is green soap, and it's got a unique thing, and it's got pumice in it. And as you lather that up, put it on your hands, that pumice goes to work, and it starts scraping away and dealing with that soil that's down in, in the pores and in the crevices of your hands. But you know, if you, took, if you took the pumice out of that, it'd be just like regular old green soap. There'd be nothing unique about it. And so too, you know, there's a lot of versions of the Bible, they want to take the blood out and do other things even the idea of the forgiveness of sin and beloved if you take the blood this is just like any other book and it's not intended to be god listen god you know there is no remission of sin apart from the shedding of blood and uh, and we have to have that and so don't neglect this It, it really is you know when the lord gave us the the disciples prayer what i really think to be the model prayer he said give us this day our daily bread and that's what this is. This is our daily bread. And you need to spend some time in it and, uh, and meditate upon it like a cow chewing on cud. You know, what do they do? They eat some grass and then they just stand out there and they chew it and they swallow it. And, you know, they've got a few stomachs, right? And they bring that back up later in the day and they chew on it some more. Well, you say, what do they do? They're out there meditating. Amen. And that meditation is the heart of thinking. And that's what we're doing so that we can extract everything that we can. Get all the nutrients out of this word. I know it seems like such a simple thing. But you know what? Aren't the demands on life relentless? Man, your feet barely hit the deck. And man, somebody else is up. The dog wants out. The children are crying. You know, uh, your husband rolls over. You know, stuff like that. I, I mean... That was supposed to be a joke. It was a poor one. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, ladies, there's a lot of demands upon you when you, when you first get up. And on us as, as men as well. I mean, sometimes you get up and you're already thinking about the job. You're already thinking about what commitments you've made for today or what didn't you finish yesterday. And now you've got to try to get that done. You've got all that stuff, all that busyness. And that's just the pride of man at work beloved we're not fit really to face anybody until we faced ourselves in and, and face the lord in prayer and have a little face time in this word it's what will help you and it will strengthen you and give you what you need to face the day you know if you'll put some in then the holy spirit can draw it out when you need it in your life he is our remembrance or to put you in remembrance of the things that you have been taught and the things that you've been given so don't neglect it. Daily have some time in the Bible. Daily have that time spent with the Lord and have him help your heart and prepare you because you know what? You and I, we don't know what a day is going to bring. That's why I said, boast not thyself of tomorrow for you know not what a day is going to bring. You know, a phone call five minutes from now could change our lives. It could. And, uh, and, and obviously I'm not wishing that upon anyone, whether it be good or bad. The, the news that might gather or might come from that. But beloved, we cannot neglect the word of God. You say, well, I come to church. I go to church every week. Well, beloved, that's not enough. How many times do you eat? Some of us more than others. You eat, right? Don't you eat three times a day? Or maybe you have those six little meals a day, but you're, 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 you're eating on something. You're feeding upon something. And that new life on the inside that you got on the day that you were saved wants to be fed and God desires to feed you from the Word of God. Now listen, a song can help me. I I can worship the Lord going down the road to some tune, one of these hymns or whatever, that can help me, but there's nothing like, there's no replacement for the Bible. Jesus said, or Paul wrote under inspiration, said it's through the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching. Not an entertainment group. Somebody asked me yesterday, "Do, do, do we have drums? And I said, no. They said, do you have a band? And I said, no. And they said, well, do you have a worship? And I said, no. I said, we're not in the entertainment business at Ranchero Drive. We want to see people edified. And that comes through the preaching of the word of God. It's not the tapping of my foot or the clapping of my hands. And I'm not against that. In its right place. When we come to the house of God, we're to worship in spirit and in truth. And there's a vast shortage of truth today out in the world. Is there not? Amen man there is a vast shortage of truth out there you know one of the things one of the things that uh, adrian rogers said he said it's by nature that formed us and it was sin that deformed us education informs us penitentiaries try to reform us but only jesus christ can transform us amen, amen. amen. i think it was william booth the man that started the salvation army that said that said that you know education without salvation brings damnation and we've got a lot of that well there's a lot of that feeding we, You know I don't know about in Canada and I don't know about in other places but I know they're trying even here in Texas even here in Texas we're trying to change the curriculum they're trying to do some things in the classrooms here and things that our young people should never have to face you know as a first grader or a kindergartner or whatever amen I mean it it's vexing. I don't it. Yeah, and I, you know, I, yeah, I don't want to face it as an adult, but I'm just saying if you want to change a place, you start in the nursery and you work your way up. And, beloved, we don't need that in our land. We don't need it here in our community. And by the grace of God, we're not going to have it here in the church. Amen. Amen. And so, my, my point is, is that, beloved, we need the word of God. Don't neglect it, don't correct it. Listen, God said what he meant, and he meant what he said. If the Holy Spirit wanted to use a different word, he'd have put it in there. You know, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first letter of the alphabet and the last letter of the alphabet and everything in between. Don't correct it. God only wrote one Bible. You know, there was a time, there was a time, you know, when Israel got something called manna. And the Bible says that when it fell, listen to what it says. I won't have you turn there. It's in Exodus 16 and verse 31. It says, And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna it was like coriander seed white and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey i like honey don't y'all like honey amen i, I it's in man it's a pleasant thing it's a pleasant thing but over time they got tired of it. they said man all we got is this light bread Would to god we could have the leeks and onions and garlics that were back in egypt and notice what happened in numbers 11 and verse 8 it says the people went about and gathered it And they ground it in mills and they beat it in a mortar and they baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. Man, I don't know where you're going for dinner today, but I hope they don't have on the menu fresh oil. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Listen, man, that's not going to help you. No, No wonder, no wonder the manna was no longer palatable. No wonder the manna was no longer tasteful to them and desirable to them. Why? Because they changed it from the way that it was given to them. Beloved, the Bible doesn't need to be rewritten. It needs to be re-read. Yes, sir. Amen. And memorized, committed to it, and practicing it. And so don't correct it. Don't correct it. Take it the way God gave it. And you say, well, man, this is the 21st century. I understand that. I get that. We might live in different dwellings than they did in the times of the Bible. We might be wearing different clothing than they did in the times of the Bible. Uh, We have different uh, occupations than they did in the times of the Bible. But the thing that is the same as it was in the times when the Bible was being written is the heart of man. And the hearts of men have not changed. The needs of men have not changed. And we need the word of God. If you and I, if we're going to take heed as to how we build, build according to the blueprint. You say, well, what is a blueprint? Well, that's something that an engineer must have looked at. You know, you submit your plans, don't you? Don't you submit your plans, and then the, an engineer has to look at it, and then he puts his seal upon there. That's a big deal. Why? He looked at it and said, well, the electrical's right, the the plumbing is right, the stresses are right for that bearing wall, and the and the spans are right for the rafters and trusses and the like. I mean, he looked at it, he gave it his. He gave it his stamp of approval. And so then why would you go in there and just arbitrarily change it? I believe you could get in trouble for that. The building inspector comes by and he'd like to see Hey, I'd like to see your prints. He wants to go out there and look at that. Is this going to be a certain way? Well, man, there's no wall right here. You got a wall right there. or, Or there is a wall there and you don't have one there. What do you do? You know, I've heard a place where they say, take it down. Take it down. Why? Because it wasn't built according to plan. So, beloved, I don't think a man can improve on what the Lord said. Amen. Amen. Because holy men spake not not according to their own, but they they spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit superintended over that word and put it down here for me to enjoy, for me to believe, for me to receive, that it can bring deliverance in my life. You got to follow. The blueprint i'm not trying to beat a dead horse this morning i'm just saying to you don't get away from the bible yes. you know it's still the number one selling book in the world did you know that you know and i, I haven't been to a bookstore in a long time and i don't know what they'll give you but but i'll I just say to you that that are here this morning those of you that are listening at home man, get you a king james bible and you say well i can't understand it well if you get to know the author through the new birth you'll be able to understand it amen that's how it comes. That's how it comes. Don't settle for a substitute. A lot of these other things. Do you know there's about 200 verses missing from the New International Version? Did you know that? 200 verses? I know. You say, well, man, I'm not a preacher. I, I, I get all that. But, you know, that's part of what we do. We look at things, examine things, and compare things, and study things. A lot of those things are changed. In the, in the New American Standard Bible, you'll find there that wasn't David that killed Goliath. It's Elkanah that killed Goliath. Which is a lie. Mm -hmm. Amen. Pick one up and look at it. Get one. No, don't buy it. You know, don't spend the money on that. I'm just saying, look it up. Look it up. Even the man that was a part of the translation team for the New American Standard has recanted and said, we've made a terrible mistake. Not my words. Those are their words. I'm just saying, get you a Bible and get along with God and spend some time every day and you'll begin to add upon your foundation the right way. And God will bless you for it. Don't you want the blessings of God? Amen. I want them in my life. I want them in my life. And I want them in yours. All right. Second thing. Y'all love that so much. Follow the blueprint. All right. Look at the next thing. Notice what it says in verse 12. Same chapter. Chapter 3. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. you got to use. In other words. Yeah, you gotta follow the blueprint, but you also gotta furnish the building. You gotta furnish the building, and uh, man, you wouldn't want to use subpar products in your house if you were building it, would you? Uh, you know that they, they try to sell some of these things now, and I know some of these engineered trusses and I beams and the like. But it's not the same thing as putting a good old-fashioned two by eight or a two by ten. And, and you, well, wood's becoming sparse, and I understand that. And there's a lot of modern technology, and I'm not against. I'm not against things that are new. I'm just saying that sometimes things that are new are not always better than the things that we've used in the past. And, uh, and so my point here is that, that beloved, you and I, we need to furnish the building. And so you have to ask yourself, what kind of materials am I adding to my foundation? Notice what it says. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. And these are all metaphors. I don't think you have to have your wall. You won't see any of that around here, all right? And uh, you won't see any walls studded with gold and silver and precious stones and all. Though it has precious things in here this morning, that's not what our building is constructed of. But what I'm wanting you to see is that what what God is talking about here, what Paul was writing here, is going to be an examination of our motive. What are you building with? What are you building with? And uh, notice, listen to what this, listen to what this says. All right. It says, Paul said this, he said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. When I say what, 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 is our, what is our means here, what activities have we taken? In other words, by what authority did we build upon that which God has given to us? There's a lot of people, they run their race, but it's just their race. They haven't been sent by God. They've not been commissioned by the Lord. And so there are people that want to do things that are outside the church, sort of extra biblical, if you will, outside of the church, rather than submitting to an authority. Listen, God gave us the church. He gave it as a gift where men could be edified, men and women, boys and girls could be edified and strengthened in their relationship and strengthened in their walk and God wants us to be a part of the church and that's why the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is but so much more as you what? As you see the day approaching, what? The day of the Lord. And so we're to exhort one another, man, come to the house of God, come and be fed, come and enjoy the fellowship of the saints. Don't do your own thing. God doesn't have a bunch of spares out there. God put them in the church. He wants them to be a part of a body, that local visible body, where they can come and be strengthened, where they can add their gift to the other gifts that are operating in the church. Why? That God is glorified and we all get some help. Help from you in your presence. And so so what's the motive behind this? Paul said this, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So sometimes, you know, I mean, our motive is, you know, is it for the glory of self or for the glory of God? Why we do what we do. I'll cut to the chase a little bit here. Look at verse 13 with me. Notice what it says. It says, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Is that what it says in your Bible? What sort S-O-R-T. It doesn't say what size it is. It says what sort it is. It's not the quantity, but the quality that God is going to look at. And what has been the motive behind our service to the Lord? Uh, You know, there are some people, you know, have you worked with anybody like that? Man, when the boss starts walking around, they get busy. And when they get out of sight, then their mouth opens up and their hands stop, and they lean on something or whatever, and the, and they're biding their time. I, I know you don't have anybody like that in other places. We have them here sometimes in America. We, we'll just talk about our warts, okay, and not about y'all's. So I, I, I'm just saying that. Hey, you know, but that's something. It, it that's something that's going on in the co- even in our own country right now. Have you seen all the in visiting here? Have you seen all the help wanted, help wanted, help wanted? We're hiring. We're hiring. We're hiring. Yeah, there's plenty of work if you want to work for the right reason. And so here in the work of God, we have to take heed as to how we're building. In other words, in the end of our life, God's going to examine our lives. The Bible says it there in, in not only in Romans, but also in Second Corinthians, it says that we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And one of the things as a pastor, my responsibility is to help prepare you For the day when you stand before the Lord. Not to give an account for your sins. That was already taken care of if you've been saved by the grace of God. That was taken care of at Calvary. That's where sin was judged. But it is going to be the record of what have we done with this salvation since we've been saved. What are we doing with the new life that God gave us? And so one of those things is is about how are we serving the Lord? Are we doing it for the glory of self? Are we doing it for the glory of God? It's the verse that's in our bulletin back there. It says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. What you have to ask yourself about, whatever you're involved in, whatever it might be. Hey, if you're passing out a track, if you're inviting someone uh, to the house of God, if you're talking to someone about, is it just about you or is it about for the glory of God? Uh, when, when you're maybe when you're rendering aids or, or maybe you do something at work and, and what ha- i mean how do you respond when when your work goes unnoticed how do you respond when you are neglected sometimes well that's why i'm hesitant after a fellowship and say boy you know boy the casserole over here this particular one the banana cake or whatever the banana pudding man it was really good and i, and I man i really Good night. If you don't mention one of them, then some ladies, one of the ladies, is going to be like, "Well, I'm never bringing that again." They obviously didn't like it. He didn't say anything about it, so I won't be making that for the next fellowship. Well, who did you make it for? Well, I made it for everybody to eat. Yeah, but yeah, but beyond that, should be making it for the glory of God. Amen, brother Ed. <laughs> I bet they say that in Canada, too. I bet they but it might be amen, all right? Y'all are quiet this morning. Nah, nice try. We've got to furnish the building with the right things for the right reasons. And it's hard. It's hard for young men to keep the right motive. It's hard when you're young in the Lord to keep the right motive. Sometimes we just did think, well, man, it just felt so good. I got to tell that guy, boy, if he didn't get saved, he was going to go to hell. You ought not to feel good about that. You understand what I mean? You You ought not to talk about hell with a smile on your face. But our burden ought to be right. And our motive then will be right. It makes such a difference that we're doing it for the glory of God and for the good of others in the way that we conduct our business. And so beloved, ask God to help you with your attitude. You don't want to be a you don't want to be a man pleaser. Listen to this in the book of Colossians. It says servants obey in all things your master. Now you say, "Man, that's an old book. What does that simply mean?" It means an employer and employees. That's what that means. If you're working for someone, if you if you have a, I hope you have a job, and if you're working for someone, you ought to do your very best not just for your boss, but for the glory of God. Because ultimately, that's who you're working for. You're working for the Lord, and your boss just happens to get in on you being a good worker. That's how that works. Listen to what it says. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service. Only when they're around. No, 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 no. As men pleasers, but in singleness of heart. Fearing God. Singleness of heart. David said of himself, he said, My heart is fixed. It's fixed on the Lord. Jesus had the same thing to say in John eight twenty nine. He said, I do always those things which please my Father. Boy, that's a you know, that's a good motive to have. I only want to do the things that please my heavenly father. That'll keep me out of trouble and make me a better worker. Amen. Because, you know, when you come to the house of God, we're going to pray. You ought to be able to lift men holy hands without wrath and doubt. And that means you've given a good day's work. And you weren't bitter about it. And you weren't angry over it. Because that will affect your prayer life. And your pastor needs your prayers. And your country needs your prayers. Your The leadership of the land needs your prayers. Ladies, husbands need your prayers. Dads, your wife and children need your prayers. How we do things matters. How we think about things matters to God. That's what I'm trying to get you to see because you know what? You know, in my holy imagination, uh, we've got all this, you know, we've got all these things now, man. Everybody's got a phone. They all take pictures with it, and they can record all these things. Somebody's, you know, somebody's recording you everywhere. You know that, right? Whether it be if you're at a gas station or you're in a, in a, at an intersection or if something happens inside, somebody's recording you. And I mean, here uh, amongst the populace, it's happening all the time and more so. And, uh, but I want you to know something, but God is also recording, except his recorder goes a little deeper. Amen. It gets down there to the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Like what the Word of God does. Remember, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of the the joints and the marrow, correction, of the soul and the spirit of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4 and 12. That's why God gave it. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces down there. And God sees what's down there. and He knows the true motive what's down there. I mean, even sometimes when people are talking about a story, and uh, they're uh, wanting to offer something, and you know they've said their little spiel, and somehow you do know, you just can't be quiet and let them have the moment. You got to tell your story. <laughs> I understand. Guilty. I've done it because one good story needs another good story, right? Yeah. And uh, and, and so what goes on? so so? But I just have to be hurt. So. Man, was that for the glory of God or so that, but man, so everybody would be impressed with where I've been and what I've done and who I did it with. You say, oh man, that doesn't matter to him. You'll be surprised. Jesus said that we're going to have to give an account for every idle word. I've had a few idle words. Sometimes they've been in the pulpit. <laughs> Seemed like that. Sometimes been that way in a car. I've had some idle words. Words. And we'll have to give it account for Our attitude, our action. Because we got to do it lawfully. Paul said, if any man strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Let's look at the last thing and I'll be done. Look in verse thirteen with me. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and what the fire shall try, every man's work. Of what sort it is so the fires are going to come it will either burnish or it will burn now the word burnish just simply means to brighten to brighten and so when we get there at that judgment seat of christ there's going to be a time of revelation god is going to reveal the true nature about everything that we have done. Every idle word, every deed, every bit of counsel I've ever given, every message I've ever preached, every Sunday school lesson I've ever taught, every message I ever heard and how I received it. that I, I, I'm doing that. I, you know, every one of those attitudes, God is going to take a look at You and I are going to be glad that it's just us and the Lord. That's going to be bad enough. Amen. But there's not going to be a lot of other people peering into the deep, intense things of my heart. It'll just be me and him. I won't be able to blame anybody else either because there's not going to be anybody else there but the two of you. And the same goes for me. Just me and him. Just you and him. I was going to say face to face, but I suspect it's going to be face to feet. We'll be bowed. But there's going to be a revelation, a revealing of the true motive, the true purpose, that what I was looking for, what I was hoping to get, what I hope would be the outcome. All the reasons why I've done what I've done. You say, Brother Ed, you're depressing me. I'm not trying to. You. I'm just trying to tell you, listen, that day, sure as you're sitting here, you're going to be kneeling there. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then I want you to see there's going to be rewards. Look at verse 14. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. That's verse 14. You know there's some crowns in the Bible? And the book of Revelation talks about us casting our crowns before his feet. Don't you you want to have some crowns to give to him, amen? I mean, don't you hate going to a birthday party as a child and you don't have a gift to give to the person whose birthday it is? Well, the same thing will be true in that day. You're going to want to have something to give. There's the the crown of life for those that endure temptation. There's the soul winner's crown for those who have led people to the Lord. There's the incorruptible crown for running your race lawfully and doing your best. There's the crown of righteousness for those that love is appearing. There's a crown of glory. That's the pastor's crown. But not only is there going to be rewards, but there's going to be regret. Look in verse 15 with me the Bible says if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire so what does that mean it just means you know you might have a dump truck load of works and dump truck load full of things that you've done and when it passes through the fire it might could fit in an urn someplace just a pile of ashes all those things that were done for the wrong reasons done with the wrong methods i forced myself i done with the wrong motive will just be an ash pile and there'll be regret but there's not going to be a second chance you can't do those things over again but here's the good news about that if you will the bible says yet but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire there's going to be a loss of those things, but not the loss of eternal life. You see, when a man is born again, he's born again forever. You can't be saved today and lost tomorrow. I mean, you know, and I, I'm just going to close with this, and I know it's noontime. And we all turn to pumpkins here about 12.05, so. I know what time it is, but do you know what time it is? It's time to think about these things. I look around here, and there's a few gray heads. I'm... Well, there's some that look like mine. Turned gray or turned loose and did both, you know. But, uh, but we're not getting younger. Paul wrote and said, now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. And we're going to stand before the Lord. And we're going to have to give an account. And so what, what I, I want you to see from this one, when, when you get saved, you're God's child forever. He doesn't own you one day and disown you another. Any more than what you might say you have children, no matter where they go, no matter where they be, even if they passed from this life. You still refer to them. You say, well, I had a child, but he's he went before me. It's not the way I wanted it, but that's what happened. Even, even in death, you haven't disowned him. You haven't left him out. You haven't forgotten him. I'll guarantee you they haven't forgotten those children. And God does not forget his either. No matter where you go in this life. You've been saved by the grace of God. Placed your faith and trust in Christ. Repented of your sins. No matter where you go. You will always be his child. Yes, amen. You may not have all the rewards that you want. But you will be there. But you can do something about that. James wrote and said. Or John wrote and said. See that you you get a full reward. Don't let anything ruin that for you. Do your very best. Follow the blueprint. Follow it. Recommit yourself to reading that Bible. You, know, you don't have to read a whole, you know, a whole book every day. There are some people, they pride themselves on those things. and I, I'm just saying, get what you need. But get it every day. Don't read it in the end of the day. That's when the battle's over. You need it in the morning. You need ammunition in the morning when you go out. It's fine to read your Bible at night because time spent in the Bible is never wasted time. Follow the blueprint. Use the right kind of furnishings. I want my motive to be right. I want my methods to be right. I want to do it when God says do it, not because I think when it needs to be done. Don't do it when the Spirit of God tells you to do it. And then remember, remember, a fire is going to reveal those things and we will be there. You're going to stand there. 2 Corinthians said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now listen, I'd rather be at that judgment seat than be at the great white throne judgment. That's a different judgment. That's a judgment for people who rejected Christ in this life and have died without Him. And there'll definitely be no one there with you but others like you. But there'll be no second chances on those days. And the Bible said, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Death and hell are going to give up their death. The sea are going to give up their death. All those men who lost their lives, women who lost their lives, were buried at sea, whether it be Revolutionary War, World War I, World War II, or any others that we have. The sea is going to give up their dead. You say, man, nobody knows where they are. God knows where they are. Amen. All those people that died, all those men that died there in the USS Arizona, all that went down in the Titanic, and others that have died in various bodies of water around the world. God knows where the bones are. You say, well, man, all of those little chemicals. Listen, who do you think put all this together? Yeah, He can do it. He can do it. Do you know Him today? Are you ready to stand before God? Because one day it will happen. Let's stand. you just... now